Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, happy new year. Welcome back to the Believe in Temple Football Podcast, season one, episode nine, the first one of 2022. I'm John DeCarlo, joined as always by Adam DeMichael. Adam, happy new year, buddy. What's going on? Hey, John, my man. Happy new year to you. Happy new year to our uh, listeners. Sorry, we've been uh, we've been enjoying our holidays a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we're back in action. I know that, you know, there's this this COVID thing rolling through. So, you know, my family got hit a little bit. And I know a lot of my friends' families got hit, bit, hit a little bit. So hopefully everyone stays healthy, you know, fights this little thing off. And then um, and we get back to watching some Temple football this spring. And then uh, anxious, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking to try to get down there maybe for alumni day, John. I'm looking forward to coming and actually, you know, watching a practice if, if, if things are good. And, you know what I mean, we're able to get into Philadelphia at that time. So I've been uh, talking to a couple of people. I like to get down there for a couple of days, bring my family down and, Go by the old house over in Cherry Hill and come back to the old stomping grounds and meet the new staff and you know see some of the players. That'd be good. You know what, Adam? I actually thought I wanted to ask you this before we even get into the Temple stuff. It looks like things are really kind of starting to take off for you out there with uh, with with your company now, and it looks like you're working out a lot of guys. What's what's that like? To to I mean, you haven't even been out there you know full year yet. It's just been a matter of months. But what's it like to get things? get things established there and really just working out some guys and being, being yeah. A so, um, I, I appreciate it. Um, obviously, you know, the Michael brothers performance is, uh, you know, our business name and, you know, me and my brother, Alex, right now, the guys that are you know running the show and then you know, my older brother is involved. My younger brother, you know, comes and videotapes and takes pictures with my nephew and you know, we give them to the players and we kind of evaluate some stuff, but, you know, it's crazy because literally every day, you know, I get messages from, you know, kids or parents like this morning, a slippery rock, two slippery rock quarterbacks hit me up. A slippery rock linebacker, a quarterback from somewhere in the AAC hit me up. Wanted to do some training. Um, you know, a quarterback at Blackhawk High School. Um, so there's like six people, and I'm already up to like 23 quarterbacks, mm. which is from ranging from essentially eighth grade to you know college. And then I have a lot of young guys, John, that I haven't even you know gotten into yet because I'm trying to figure out a plan for them. Mm-hmm. This is during the winter. You know, these guys are playing yeah. basketball. But it's been a, it's been really fun. You know, it's, it's really rewarding. Um, it's, it's like me still coaching college football. Mm-hmm. I'm still getting that little itch taken care of. Yeah. Um, still being able to, you know, make an impact, make a difference. Um, and, and the kids are great. You know, they want to learn. They're anxious to, you know, get better. And they're anxious to compete. And, you know, me as a coach, that's how I wanted my guys to be. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm just trying to instill a few things and get them ready for you know, the next step for them and in, in, in their uh, you know progression as a quarterback. When you, um, I want to stick with this for a second, because I enjoy hearing about this. When you, so you get a kid, do you immediately, what's the first thing you do? Do you just say, send me any film yeah. that you have, or do you just not go into it? Or do you just say, I don't want to watch any film of you. I want to see you in person and kind of assess where you are. Is it a little bit of both? Well, it's been different because when I got here, obviously in the summer, this, I was meeting with kids one-on-one. The majority mm-hmm. of the stuff that I've been doing now has been group work. I'm talking, you know, eight to 15 kids at a time. So initially when it was one-on-one, it was like, okay, I'm going to put you through the ringer right now. I'm going to put you through certain drills that I can evaluate you on, certain um, you know, throws that I could see 
you know, I could film it from different angles to see motion, to see like what I think initially, like, Hey, this is what's possibly going to be the issue, but I'm not going to, I wasn't trying to change anything initially, John, you know what I mean? Because these guys were about to start their high school season. Mm-hmm. So I would go through and I'd be like, okay, this is the stuff we could do. What do you need help with? And I would ask that question. Like, what do you think, you know, what are your weaknesses? You know, what are some of your strengths? And we beat them weaknesses up and, you know, try to, you know, better their strengths. So initially it was like, Hey, let me just see what you can do. Throw you into the fire. And now that I have these guys that are coming on a consistent basis, that people that are coming that are new, like we just had an eighth grader from Armstrong high school come, who's he's pretty good now. Is he can spin it. And he, I threw him right into the fire. It wasn't like, Hey, let's start from the beginning. And I told the parents and, you know, the kids, like when we hit the spring, when the weather changes and we're able to go out in the field, you know, three times a week, I'm going to start from the beginning and, you know, see what we need to fix then because you have a long time before you get into that camp season and a long time before you get into your, you know, your, your high school football season. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the way I'm seeing things and how it's going. And I'm looking to uh, somewhere within hopefully the next 18 to 24 months, build a facility. So I'm in the process of trying to find partners and oh, wow, um, whether it's, you know, people, you know, we have some people that have given gifts and donations. We have other people that, you know, some investors that I'm, you know, looking into. So that's my, because I think I can do so much more and, and obviously, if you have a facility in, in, in a colder region in Pittsburgh, even in Philadelphia, you could do a lot more. You know what I mean? Right. So my next plan is, you know, to, to obviously you need a ton of money when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, so I'm, I'm working through some things and talking to some people. So my plan is to obviously have a facility and then I could do a ton of things and bring in other position coaches and, you know, get a weight facility doing there. And then my sister-in-law does some personal training, some PT stuff. And she could help, you know, with certain things. So I got a huge plan. You know, we can have a babysitting deal for my kids. My wife can help babysit kids. <laughs> but there's a lot of things I want to do, man. And we have a vision, but we're going to take it slowly with, you know, at the end of the day, still having that big picture in mind. I see the, the Jack Lambert, Adam DeMichael facility. Or the <laughs> run through a list of like old Steelers who would have, who would have money. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, uh. I'm going to bring uh, Stout, the, the, when I lived out there, it was like the, the dregs of from 81 to 85, the Steelers, it was like, what was this? Like right before you were uh, born, right it was born. like Cliff Stout, Mark, uh, uh, oh God, it was after, it was everyone after Bradshaw. So it was like Cliff Stout, Mark, Mark Malone. Mm. Uh, it was, it was like the pirates are bad. The Steelers are bad. The Penguins are probably bad. I think this is pretty, uh, but I'm just thinking of like old Steelers with money who are going to like yeah. give you. Yeah, it's, um, it's been interesting. Like I'm, it's almost like I'm a college coach again because coaches, but the players are, players are still DMing me like, Hey coach, look at my tape. And I'm like, Hey buddy, like I don't coach anymore, mm. but I'm getting contacted by college coaches about the kids that I'm training now. So mm-hmm. it kind of flipped the script. Like I've had a couple of colleges reach out to me about some kids and I'm like, well, this is interesting because it's like, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've worked this kid out, you know, for six weeks. It's like, okay, this is what he can do. Like I would, if I were you, no, I've dealt with these people that are similar to what I'm doing now. Like, you know, the middleman, essentially, it's like, right. sometimes you don't want to deal with them because they're paying the butt, but it's interesting because I never was really that guy. I was, you know, when it came to transfers, like a kid leaving Temple, I'm that middleman between Temple and say James Madison or whatnot. Oh, and by the way, I'd love to shout out my buddy, Toddy, who's, I talked to, uh, you know, a couple of weeks and he was talking to me about his you know, next move and his decision, where he's going to go, his options. And, you know, I think that's a great place for him. And um, I'm excited for, you know, obviously Toddy, who you know, did a good job for us here at Temple and one of my yeah. favorite guys that I've ever uh, had the opportunity to coach. 
So it's been it's been interesting, but um, um, I'm having a lot of fun, and I just think you know once the winter breaks, I think this thing will just take off to another level. The final question for you before we get into Stan Drayton and his staff, and I I, I was thinking about this the other day because I, I, I maybe I asked you this before along the lines like when you were growing up you were not obviously a football year round guy. And like I said, you know, you go back to Pittsburgh at any time and people who still remember watching you play, they'll say, Hey man, Adam probably could have walked on and been a, a walk on, you know, backup point guard at temple. And obviously you got drafted in baseball and you were a good enough baseball player. So you stayed busy with other sports year round and you were a three sport athlete. What, what kind of, do you ever look back at like, obviously you were a hell of a quarterback at Stowe rocks even though Penn state had recruited you to play safety or like that hero position, right. Or something like that, or right. Yeah. You were still a hell of a college quarterback, a high school quarterback, and then a college quarterback. What, when you look back, like how did you keep yourself sharp football wise and throwing when you were also putting a ton of energy into to basketball and, uh, and baseball, again, not an uncommon thing, but, when you look back at it now, some quarterbacks now, it's like, this is all I'm going to do year round. I'm just going to be, yeah. I'm just going to be working out. It's a little different that you didn't have as many like, like, like trainers and stuff. When you look back at that, what, how did you keep yourself sharp football wise when you were involved in other sports? Yeah, well, it was, it was interesting. You know, I try to make it as short as possible because I can obviously get a little long winded sometimes when I'm talking about my high school career, because I, I wish I could go back for like uh, just the 2004 for a year and just enjoy it one more time. Mm-hmm. But it was tough because initially I didn't really want to play football. So, mm-hmm. you know, my mindset was never really, hey, let's lock in. Let's, you know, football, like soon as football was over, even during football, like, I was on my basketball mode. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I was I wanted to be the starting point guard as a freshman, which I was. You know, so I wasn't necessarily in there just crushing the weights, trying to gain weight. I wasn't in there, you know, doing different things to fix, you know, to strengthen my shoulder. Like that was more of an afterthought. Like my size, I was small. I was skinny. I was thin. I wasn't. You know, my parents aren't tall. I'm not going to be six four. It's like I was a, and I could spin it. I could spin it. And then, you know, but I was a starting point guard. I was a baseball player. And I started going to a couple of camps, maybe like 10th grade. I went to a pit camp. I went to a Joe Butler at the time, Metro Index camp. I visited Syracuse when, you know, George DeLeon was the uh, offense coordinator. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, they told me they would offer me a scholarship. I went with A.Q. Shipley, mm-hmm. who was uh, obviously a moon tiger here in Pittsburgh and then went on mm-hmm. to Penn State. 10-year NFL vet. Now he's mm-hmm. coaching with the Buccaneers. I just talked to him about two months ago. Um, and, you know, they were going to offer me a scholarship and did it. And then it's like, I think I think at the end of the day, John, when you have success doing something, that's when you realize, like, holy cow, like, I can do this and play at the next level. And I had a little bit of success playing football. And that's when I kind of made my decision. I stopped playing travel basketball. Um, I stuck with the whole, you know, travel baseball deal. And then I did some football camps on the side. So basketball was like a, um, not the afterthought, it was like the third sport, even though that was probably the one I enjoyed the most. But that was the only way I could do it. I was like, I had to push something to the side a little bit. And I played all three, but you, you can't do the travel AU basketball circuit, the travel baseball and the camp circuit all at once. It's, it doesn't make any sense to you. So I think kids nowadays, like the kids I'm training, you know, they do a bunch of different things. Like, you know, I have a kid going to Harrisburg this weekend for a, for a camp and he's also a basketball player. So he's trying to figure it all out. And I mean, it's, 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 it's probably a little easier now, but for parents, it's probably a lot, a lot more stressful um, the way things are going with social media and things like that. So. Yeah. 
Well, let's, uh, that was good stuff. I enjoy, I always enjoyed hearing about that. We'll transition over to talking about uh, Stan Drayton. And uh, he obviously is, he has maybe two more hires to make. It looks like maybe, uh, I guess, potentially maybe a cornerbacks coach and then whatever that, that 10th coach is going to be, whatever title he's going to give them. But for the most part, he's got his staff, uh, you know, fleshed out here. And some of the, some of the, the hires have been made official. Some of them haven't been, but um, you know, it looks like Danny Langsdorf is going to be his offensive coordinator. DJ Elliott uh, is going to be his defensive coordinator. It looks like that's what Pete Thamel and, uh, and others have been reporting. Uh, but I wanted to ask you to start off with um, talking about Chris Wiesahan, a guy who, you know, Chris probably would have been and could have been deserving of an interview for the head coaching job. And, and you know, again, you of course know Chris even better than I do. You worked with them. Um, and he's one of the guys who really kind of just caught the bug at Temple and wasn't from Philly. He's been all over the place, uh, had a season in the NFL. He's been all over the map in terms of coaching. And you know how much, you know, he, his family loved Philly, his wife loved Philly. And uh, I mean, I think it's an, you know, we're probably both biased in our own rights. You know, you worked with him and I, I covered him and he was always great to me. And I learned more about the game because of people like him and you. And so he's coming in as the offensive line coach. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it was a critically important hire for Stan. What is that? We'll, we'll start with him. You know, yeah. what is it? What does it mean to get a, at least one guy? And there are some other guys with ties to the area. We can talk about Ola Adams, who, who's coming in from from Villanova. Not a, not necessarily a Temple guy, but a guy who's really coordinated some great defenses at Nova. But yeah. look, looking at Chris at, at Wees, um, I it might sound like the obvious question, but how important is it to have a guy in the fold? who gets the place really wants to be wants to be back and, and help mm-hmm. develop some really good players. Yeah. I think it's a, I mean, it's pretty cliche, but it was, a, it's kind of a home run hire um, mm-hmm. of all the ones that I've seen. And I'm probably biased as you are. I mean, that's the, the hire that I will say means the most, but that's, that's an electric hire. I mean, they, you know, and I met Wees when I was in the CFL and he was actually coaching wide receivers mm-hmm. when I was in the CFL. So I actually played for Wees and I was a quarterback in, in the CFL and he was the receiver coach. Yeah. And then obviously he's coached, he's coached literally every position probably besides quarterbacks and the offensive side of the ball. So the guy has an immense amount of knowledge of the football, you know, of the game of football and understands again, you know, the type of player. And he, you know, he's, he was there for five years from 14 to 18 I mean, the guy's going to be coaching guys that he actually recruited still. You know what I mean? Adam Klein's the world. The Isaac Moore's of the world. Like, those guys are still there, and they have, a you know, a relationship, you know, with Weez. And obviously, Weez does a, you know, really good job of connecting to his players. I think that's, you know, he might not agree. He might think that, you know, his, you know, offensive knowledge in the run game and, you know what I mean, this stuff is the best part of him. But the way that he relates to his players and the way that he – you know, makes his players feel like family and brings his family around them is, you know, what makes him elite, you know, in my mind. And I know his family will be excited to get back up here. And, um, you know, when I talked to him, you know, a few days ago, he was excited as, you know, as, you know, you can imagine. And I know he's fired up to get to get back to Broad Street. And I know he's already been throwing out some offers to some offensive linemen. And I know he's fired up to get underway. And he knows how to, you know, push these kids' buttons and get the most out of them. Because, you know, for for a guy that's, not necessarily um, – when you think of O-line coaches, you think of, like, maybe bigger guys. This dude's fiery, fierce, intense, you know what I mean? He'll, he'll, he'll get on your ass, and at the same time, he'll hug you as you're walking off the field, you know what I mean? He finds ways to push you and motivate you. And, I mean, it's, it's a home run hire. I mean, it doesn't – it's not going to get any better to th- than Chris Weehan as, as your O-line coach. 
He, I mean, we've maybe, I can't remember sometimes if we talked about this on the pod, if we were talking about it before we started recording, but I mean, look, when, when a team goes one and six, even if it happened, you know, during like the thick of COVID and then three and nine this year, we know, I mean, anybody, you don't have to be a football expert to know how much that offensive line struggled and sure there were other things going wrong around them, but they, they just, they just weren't moving people. They just weren't. And they were really struggling. And obviously, you know, we've talked about the fact that losing kind of gets losing and it become, can become contagious. What do you think just being around the game, if you're, and hopefully we can maybe get, get wheeze on the pod and talk to him at some point, but when you're a position coach coming in and it's, it's a new staff, but it's not necessarily new to wheeze. Like what's the first thing he's, he's doing, Adam, is it just like watching, watching tape of the current, guys and kind of getting his own opinions of it and just saying all right here's what i have here i like i think this kid you know no offense to joe chipotle but maybe saying like i like this kid we just got to coach him differently here's who i think can play here's who i think is going to be a career backup and here's where we got to go out and recruit guys is that the first thing you're watching tape of your current guys before you hit the recruiting trail yeah i would would think he had an understanding before he took the job of what he had um you know, in his in his bucket of alignment, I'm sure he had an understanding of like, hey, these are the guys, these are who we recruited. This is our situation, um, and this is how many spots you have to bring in new guys, whether that's via transfer portal, whether that's you know being you know junior college ball, or that's that's high school kids. So I'm sure he spent some time evaluating our tape, evaluating the guys we have, and saying to himself like, like you don't want to leave a job like that and come to a place like this if you don't think that you can that your players are good enough for one, and then you don't think that you have the op- you know you have the the, the chance to change them and make them into, you know, the player that you want them to be. So I'm sure he spent some time, you know, evaluating them. I'm sure he's digging heavily into recruiting the, the guys that, you know, him and Coach Drayton and, you know, the, the, the staff wants to get. And then he's obviously spending some time getting to know the guys that he doesn't know um, in his offensive line room. And I think that's a big deal to him is finding ways to get the players to trust you. You know what I mean? He's, he's left before, you know, he, he went to, you know, a different spot and, you know, he's back now and, and, you know, he needs to find a way to get those guys to trust him again. You know, the Jim twos of the world and Keyshawn Jones and, you know, Wiz and, you know, I mean, a couple of these other guys that you know, he's never dealt with before. It's like, hey, I, I know Wiz. Like he had, you know, Cody Booth. I mean, he had Cole Boozer and these guys like eating, drinking milkshakes and protein bars and protein shakes and fruit cups. And I'm talking about stuff at, at five in the morning, weighing themselves and seeing how many, yeah. how much, uh, how many calories they're drinking and filming them while they eat lunch and sending the GA to eat lunch with them. So they can see what, like that guy is intense and he, you know, it's important to him that these guys are, you know, put in the best position to be successful. And I think he'll do that. So I'm sure that, like I said, like each guy that's new to the staff, they're trying to funnel their way here, take care of their families, make sure they're good where they're at. Like, Hey, listen, I'm going to be here doing this, sit up in the hotel, get watching the tape. Let's get the recruiting done. Let's sign a good class. Let's get in the portal. Let's meet our players. I don't know when the players are supposed to report back if they haven't already. Probably soon. I don't know how that's going with you know the COVID situation in Philadelphia, but and just trying to find ways to get your guys to to buy in, to trust you, and I think that's the the start for each guy on staff. That's mm-hmm. that's new, uh, including Weez. What I one of the other things I wanted to ask you about too is, and again, you've you've been part of several different transitions and you were a guy that survived a few different coaching regimes and that that speaks to how people view you and view your ability what's it like to the best of your ability to answer this one 
you were talking about this. Maybe a guy like Kyle Dobbins is going to be playing for yet another running backs coach in Preston Brown, who he might be familiar with because Preston was was a high school coach in New Jersey. But whether it's Preston or or whether excuse me, whether it's Kyle or Edward Sadie or like one of those guys, what are the pluses and minuses of a group of players dealing with yet another new position coach? Is it is it is it a little bit of anxiety or is it also a little bit of like oh hey. I can actually show this new coach something that maybe the previous coach didn't see in me is a little bit of both. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think that you hit it right on the nose. Like, okay, I'm sure again, I'm not coach Drayton. I'm not the, I'm not the running back coach. I'm not the tight end coach. I'm not Weez. but you know, most people come in and say to themselves like, okay, you have a clean slate now. Like anything you've done good or bad. I'm not talking about off the field issues. I'm talking about on the field. I don't know what you've done. I've saw it. But now I'm going to see with my own eyes. Like, you have a clean slate. I'm not saying that there's not starters. I'm not saying that, you know, they're going to evaluate and do the things. But, hey, you have a clean slate. Show me what you can do. You know, let me know why I can trust you. Show me what you do, you know, on the field. Show me how you handle yourself off the field as a professional, as a, as a you know, collegiate athlete. You know, how to, how to handle yourself like a pro. Um, you know, that's the that's one of the, the things I can think of when you, when you get a new staff or, you're, you know, this is your – whatever number position coach it is for someone like Kyle Dobbins. And sometimes it's like, you know, you, I'm sure each guy is looking and it's like, okay, you know, you know, we, 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 we hired coach Drayton. Everyone's like fired up. Okay. Now, now who's his DC going to be? Now they're probably on football scoop search and like, who's this DJ guy? You know what I mean? Like, wait, who's this uh, Danny Langsdorf? Um, and now, you know, Dewan and, you know, the quarterbacks are looking him up and seeing the situations that, you know, things that he's done. It's like, Okay, I've dealt with Preston, but can you know can Preston coach running backs? Like, how, you know, what does he know about running backs? Like, everybody has the good thoughts, the bad thoughts. Like, okay, Thad's still there, Coach Ward is still there. That's good. You know, you got a little um, camaraderie with the players, and you know, the, the you know the receiver room will be fine. You know what I mean? It's like now with the defense, everyone you know everyone's gone. It's like what are we gonna do? So everyone has good thoughts, bad thoughts. But like I said, if I would imagine the slates, t- you know, clean, and um, you know each of those guys will have the opportunity to showcase themselves and um, handle things the right way. Adam, what, and again, I know it's maybe tough for you to answer this one because you, you're not sitting in the room with, with these guys where, you know, you, you have the chance to like actually sit and watch film with them, but you know, how much, you know, and again, I, I've never met DJ Elliott before, but one of the things that he's done in, in previous stops is doing, and not, not that he's the only person who's done this is like doing some of like the, the simulated pressure type of things where, He's faking some blitzes, dropping some guys into coverages. And when you, you've worked again, you've worked with different staffs, how, when you're part of a new staff, and this is another conversation we can have because Drayton's not bringing over like Rod brought most of his guys over because he was a previous head coach. So he didn't, he assembled his staff differently. Stan's pulling different pieces and parts of the country, but different guys have different schemes and, and different things that have worked for them. When a new guy is coming in, and it, it, I know it's a common question that they get, how much of you, what you do is player driven and how much of it is like, I really want to run this. And you guys are going to, we, I know maybe in my heart of hearts that I might get some time here as a quote unquote rebuild. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to force guys into a scheme or maybe work them into a scheme. How, how does, how do guys approach that? Do they, do they maybe say, okay, you're one, we've got to do this just to get by. And I'm going to, um, there are a million different examples I can think of. I can think of, we were talking about this on our Al podcast yesterday where, um, 
you know, for as much success as Mark D'Onofrio had when he was at Temple, they started dropping the late Adrian Robinson back into coverage more. And then Steve came in and Chuck Keeter were like, no, we're just going to have this guy rush the quarterback. That's what he does yeah. best. So when you've seen different guys come in, how much of it is being loyal to your scheme? How much of it is like, no, I got to, I got to base what I have in year one, year two, maybe around what I have before I really kind of start doing what yeah. I really want to do. How does that that's work? A, that's a, a great first, a great reference of, you know, Adrian, who was a top, one, two, or three pass rush I've ever oh. seen at Temple University with and a terrific you know, dude. Junior I, Gillette, Don Reddick, and I still can't Adrian. Come on, man. It's, yeah, um, it's, and I love his brother, and um, you know, I know he's yeah. he's missed by you know, every time his you know things pop up on my Facebook, and you know, you see things get posted about him. It's like, dang, man, it's just it's sad. And, yeah. Um, but I think there's a mixture of um, you know, I remember when you know when Rule got the job, and I came in as a GA, and Satterfield came in as the OC. It's like we started running New York Giants con pass concepts, the stuff that he brought from the Giants. And we're reading, you know, switch concepts with reads and the safety. You could do a, you know, depending upon where the safety is located, we're, you know, and we were stuck. We're running that stuff. Like we're doing that scheme. We might call it something different and maybe make it a little easier for the players, but we were running that. And I think that similar to what, you know, obviously coach snow brought with him whenever he came to temple. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're especially now because they'll have a little bit of time to install it and they'll have the spring to install. It's like, okay, you know, you could you could imagine that these guys are going to have you know maybe six of their best run concepts, and you know these are the six run concepts we're going to run the entire spring. These are the best ten pass concepts we're going to do, and you know, I mean, let's see what our players can do. Or it's like, hey, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at them, and we're going to start, you know, what I mean, just firing it at them now, getting as many walkthroughs as we can, as many Zoom meetings as we can. Um, and then when we get to spring ball, it's like, hey, let's see who can you know get out there and react. Let's see who can go out there when the bullets are flying, essentially. And, you know, can um, quote unquote make plays. So I think it's a little mixture of both, John. I mean, I think the guys are going to come in with what they do. At the same time, they're going to have to tweak it a little bit because you're going to have ideas coming from, you know, for instance, the Langsdorf guy has, you know, a great pass game, right? You know, he's, he's known for, you know what I mean, throwing the ball around and stuff like that. And then you got someone like Weez who's, can, who is, who's, you know, elite in the run game. And obviously, Coach Drayton's been a, you know, a run game coordinator and a running back coach himself. He's going to have ideas, and obviously this guy coached in the NFL, so there might be some stuff for, for, for whoever's going to play quarterback, you know what I mean? It's going to maybe some stuff under center with some play action stuff. It's like, okay, what can we do? And they're going to have their plan and say, okay, does this fit with the guys that we have playing for us right now? And if it doesn't, then, you know, you got to fix the puzzle pieces a little bit and, you know, roll with it there. Um, we'll jump to uh, just a, a couple mailbag questions that we got um, that we got this week. Um one of them comes from uh, the, the Twitter handle as Temple Fan Al. And his question to us was, what are some positions of need that the recruiting staff are going to have to target? Um, again, Adam, you're only a year removed from it, but you, you know the roster pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, like the short answer to that question is like, there are several positions of need, but is there one that maybe jumps I mean, I, right away? I, I, was, I was thinking really quickly. I mean, you could literally, I think this goes – for everyone that's coming in and on a new staff and I would never do anything to, you know what I mean? To discount the players that we have at Temple, because I'm sure the people that are doing things at Miami, like they're doing the same thing. Like, okay, like this guy's not good enough. This guy's good enough. This guy's not good enough. They're going through the roster. It's like, okay, you know, you just lost, for instance, Jaden blue and Randall Jones. It's like, okay, you're going to need another wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, whether it's in the portal, like you're going to need another wide, like, Obviously, Jose's played some fo some football. Ahmad's played some football. 
you know, Fox has been in and out. Cadis Reams is in and out. Ronnie was in and out. It's like, okay, nobody else besides those two guys have really performed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, what's the next step there? Okay. And you're talking tight end who, you know, DMR is off of injury. Jordan Smith came and started playing there. Delapesca plays as a, as, a, as a young guy. Was he really ready or was he thrown into the fires? Um, so it's like, okay, do you need a tight end? Obviously, they just they just offered a guy from, from my area in Pittsburgh. Um, and they offered another tight end um, from here in, in New Jersey, another transfer from the Juco. I'm sure you know Frazier, I believe his name is. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I'm going through the, you know, you're talking safety. It's like these guys played some football at safety now. Like Deshaun played some football. Odom played a lot of football last year. Jalen Ware played a lot of football. But it's like those guys are going to come in and say, are they good enough? If they're not good enough, then we have to look. So it's like you go through the same thing. There's a lot of running backs that, you know, carry the ball. But, you know, who you – know, is there another guy that they're looking at? It's like, can that be upgraded? I'm sure. Is the depth of quarterback good enough? Um, that's, a, that's another question mark. It's like, are they going to be in the market for a transfer quarterback mm-hmm. or a high school quarterback or both? I could see that happening. Um, alignment is like – pretty you can never – yeah, you can never have enough offensive and defensive linemen. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at. It's like you're looking at guys, and we've had some guys that played some football for us, but you could always use more depth. I mean, injuries, if you, that, those positions are crazy. Um, linebackers, obviously, we lost some guys. Um, you lose some guys at D-tackle, DN, some guys coming off injury. It's like corner, you got, you know, Cam and Keyshawn back. It's like – so at the end of the day, John, I think it's a great question, but you know, there can be help used – there can be help – there's a need for help everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, those guys are going to sit there and evaluate, and they're going to go back. And when the players get back and they hit the weights and they go into their offseason winter training, it's like, okay, we can win with him. You know, our thought process with this guy is like, he's there, but he's just not going to get us over the top. We need to move on this next guy. There'll be some movement here, and then there'll be some movement after spring with bringing guys in then as well. So it'll be interesting to see what, you know, how they attack this recruiting cycle. It will tell us more about what they think of the guys on our current roster. One of the things that, and again, I, I there's, I've literally only been around Stan Drayton once. I got to spend some time around him during the day of his press conference. And you do the whole, you know, 10 minutes you know, with the media. And then he does this breakout session. Again, this is just an initial opinion. He, for, you know, long and the short of it, acknowledge yes the portal is a thing but he did seem to give off the vibe of like i really want to build this and continue to recruit my guys every year and make sure that they they stay around and i'm paraphrasing here and it, it seems like he does it does not want to come in not, not that any coach would be foolish enough to say this where he doesn't want to just slap a band-aid on things like he really wants right. to build this bring former players back and um is very um i think a it seems to at least he seems to at least be very appreciative of the program's past of how things were built when you're, and again, you've been through it on both ends. You've had to rebuild things a little bit as an assistant coach. And you were of course, part of the major, major, major rebuild. I've talked about this before. You'll say like, Oh, we weren't very good, but you guys were part of, you guys still won some games and you really helped set the table for the future. How hard is it to be patient when you are building something when like you have to, Everybody wants to win. And then sometimes you have to see, you have to see that as a reward. We finally got one. You know, we finally beat Bowling Green. We finally got Buffalo back for what they did to us a couple of years ago, whatever, so on and so forth. Yeah, right, right. How hard is it to, I know it sounds like a silly, obvious question, but how hard is it to stay patient and stick to a plan when everybody wants, it's got to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you want that. And it's like in, in everything we do in this world today, you want that instant gratification. 
whether it's like, you know, my, 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 uh, my nephews post a cool picture and you want you know, a hundred likes on it immediately. Like you want someone to contact you like, Hey, how, that's a good picture. You know, I post a video of my guys playing quarterback. You want that gratification of that instant. You want it right now. Like, and I'm sure coach Drayton wants that, but I'm sure like when he was interviewed and he went through the process and they said, Hey guys, like this isn't going to be an easy fix. And I'm sure like as a competitor, as a, as a man, as a now collegiate head coach, he's going to take that, you know what I mean? That thing head on and say, okay, no, listen, we're going to change it around very quickly, but everyone wants that instant, instant gratification. Um, and to, I mean, it, it's going to be difficult for him. You know what I mean? It's going to be really difficult. Um, but at the same time, he needs to stick to his plan, stick to his, you know, the, I guess you could say, quote unquote, the Matt Rule process deal that he always used to talk about. Stick to that process and, and, and run with it. You know what I mean? Because it's not going to be easy. There's going to be ups and downs. He knows that I mean, people are going to leave, people are going to come in. But he has the foundation that he wants set. And I mean, at the end of the day, like it, the time is now for him to, to go ahead. And, you know, he, he finally gets a chance to, you know, have a program of his own and, you know, implement whatever he wants to implement without anybody saying anything now. And it'll be interesting to see how he does that. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely interested to see how he's going to go about that and, you know, see the things that he does and hopefully reach out to a couple guys and see how he's doing it. One of the other things I want to ask you about too, before we get to our other mailbag question here is um, new strength staff comes in and um, you know, he brings in a, a, a few guys a few guys here, um, uh, Chris Fenelon, who, you know, comes from a program at Ohio state, which is Ohio state. And he worked under a guy and Mickey Marotti, who has been at Ohio state for a long time has survived a lot of different coaching regimes there. And again, it it might sound like an obvious question to ask, but I want to kind of allow you to speak to fans about this. You know, again, anybody could say, well, having a good strength coach is important, but just how, important is it because you've been around good strength coaches and i know that brad ort took his fair share of criticism and, and is no longer on the staff now and, and a new coach is going to bring in a new most coaches bring in a new strength coach um yep. you know to to get a guy from a program like ohio state um what what does a new strength coach bring to the mix and what is he going to be looking at too when he comes in and is assessing the whole roster yeah i think uh i think when I talked to a couple of people before coach was, was hired, I think that this is the most important hire initially for mm-hmm. the staff. And I say that because obviously I think I might've said this on an earlier podcast, they're going to deal with these players way more than even the, the, the staff is. Yeah. We're talking in the summer when, you know, the coaches staff got six to eight weeks or six to seven weeks and they're on the beach or the lake house or, you know, they're on vacation somewhere and the strength staffs in the building every single day with five or six weight groups, and they're talking to these kids while in the summer in Philadelphia with minimal classes. So these guys are, it's an important hire. This, 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 um, his name's Chris. He's a young guy. I think he graduated in 2013. Yep. So fairly young. Um, he's probably got a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion, I would think. But he's just someone that's going to have to, like I said, I just saw that, you know, Dave Feely, who, um, just, you know, was with, was with Dick Manny Diaz in Miami and, you know, they got let go and he just got hired at Duke. Duke yeah. Um, and, you know, I've dealt with you know, Jeremy Scott and those guys were, you know, intense guys that push you to the limit. They would break you down, but then they'd build you back up. And there was just always, every time I would go in there, it was like, every time I would go in there with those guys, there was always somebody in their office with the door shut. And I always said to myself, like, 
that's what you need. Whether it was an ass chewing or whether it was like a pick me up or it was a let me get to know you on a personal level deal and tell me what do you want out of this? And I'm going to tell you what I want out of this from you and what I see. And it was like, that's how you have to relate. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, Dave Feely, a short little white guy from Brooklyn, New Jersey. And Jeremy Scott, a bald guy from Penn State, who's you know mm-hmm. intense and strong, and I mean, he, they're all lifting, they're doing all kind of crazy stuff. But you know, that's what you're hoping that this, you know, someone like this could do. And, um, I'm sure the coach, you know, had a bunch of different guys on his radar, and he thought that you know Fenelon was the was the right guy. So he's going to come into a group and you know try to you know install the things that he believes in. Again, I don't know if he'll be a free weight guy, if he'll be a machine guy. Like, there's all kinds of different things. You know, is he a speed guy? Which one of these guys are the speed coach? You know what I mean? There's gonna be a lot of things. It's like get the get the buy-in very quickly to what you're doing. You know, find you know, find ways to have them trust you and you know what I mean. And, and I think he'll go a long way. So I might get whenever I get back, John, I might have to hit that weight room up one last time and see what I can get on the bench. <laughs> I've never benched out on bench, so I, I I take that back. I told I was talking to I was texting back and forth with Colin Thompson yesterday and we were talking about New Year's resolutions. And I said to him, I was like, I, I never have been and never will be a football player. I was always 5'11, 180 pounds my my whole life. And I said, now I just worry more about like flexibility and stuff like that. And he was like, That's a lot of what I worry about too. And he's, you know, he's bounced back and forth this year from the active roster and the practice squad. And he's like, you'd be surprised. He was like, that's a, a lot of what I do now. I have to, if I want to stay in the league, but I, I imagine now is it, it, do you think it's different? Like when you first got in, the world has changed, you know, fitness has changed, access to information has changed. Has the strength, I know you've never been a strength coach before, but has it changed drastically from when you first got to college, from what you've seen as to now, or does every guy kind of have, like you just kind of went through it, a speed guy, is it possible to blend it all together or do you think it's, do you think it's a lot different now than when you first got into college football? Um, I always think that everything's, it's just like the offenses in, in college football and the defense, those things are just evolving and people are doing more and more. And the more we like, you know, obviously when we had Collins here, we had a nutritional guy, we had a guy that figured out how fast and how many miles you ran and we tracked it the entire practice. Like yeah. You're trying to find ways to do things that others aren't doing for obviously recruiting purposes, to, you know, I mean, to get your brand out there. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that Temple does a really good job of. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, you're going to have to find ways to, and I think you'll have to have a different, you know, you have to have a speed guy, a strength guy, just someone that can do a little bit of both because there's just so many kids um, that you're going to need to get with on a daily basis that, you know, one person can't do all of that. But obviously since, you know, since I left, I mean, our weight room, it might not be overly big, but it's, excuse me, it's, it's big enough and there are enough racks for everybody, enough weights for everybody. So whatever you want to implement there, you can get it done. Um, you know, and they're, we're not lacking anything, you know, nutrition will be a big deal. Like how are we going to make sure we feed our guys the right way, make sure they're eating, you know, four or five meals a day. Like that'll be a big deal, but things are always evolving. And I think, you know, another coach was done. Maybe there's something in his contract that says, Hey, I want this done in our facility. Like we're, I'm sure like, Coach Drayton has something, some way to expand the facility and get something new in there. You know what I mean? Like every coach that's come in, there's something new has been done, whether it was the weight room, um, the team room was done, you know, new graphics all over it. Something's going to be done. And maybe it has something to do with the weight room or something along those lines. Yeah. And with, and with Chris, he's got um, the two other guys that are part of that staff, Andrew Brooks and then Bruce Johnson. And, you know, Bruce Johnson's a guy who's more of like a, you know, football sports performance guy. So maybe those guys Mm -hmm. Adam's talking about here are going to touch on, 
there's a little bit of everything. There's the strength part of it. There's the speed part of it. There's the agility part of it. And right. Um, right. I mean, for, I, I, you know, I hate to say for, for like, from my perspective as a reporter, this is a fun, can be a fun time to cover because you're getting to know, you'll see a familiar face like a Chris Wiesahan and then you get to know a new head coach. And there are guys that, that I never really got to meet personally. And then you get, they, they get to, you get to see different things. It's a, same temple and that it's the same institution, but you see different guys come in. And, and as a reporter, I'm always curious as to like, like I said earlier, who's going to catch the bug here? Who's really going to come in yeah. and fall in love with this place? Who's going to come in? Not that I'm rooting for this to happen and come in and say, Oh, I'm kind of overwhelmed here. This, this place. Right. Isn't me. And uh, like I said, it's going to be interesting because Stan's a guy who's coming in as an assistant like Jeff did and his staff is going to be a mixture of maybe some former temple guys or, or some guys that are, that are local to the area, but he's kind of, you know, getting guys from all over the place. So it's, it's fun. It, it's fun for reporters like myself to get to know mm-hmm. um, a new staff. Um, another mailbag question we had here and it's a popular name and uh, you know, uh, a guy that did not stick with the staff. And this was from uh, one of the Facebook questions, Greg Angeli said, any news on Gabe in, t- in terms of Gabe Infante and uh, Gabe Infante was not retained. I don't know if he interviewed or if he didn't interview Preston Brown was one of the guys that did stick around. Thad Ward is sticking around as the wide receivers coach. Gabe Infante, the longtime head coach of St. Joe's prep. Uh, well, remained as the running backs coach under Rod was the recruiting coordinator this past year. Uh, but yeah, Greg, he's not, he's not going to be part of the staff. I don't know what's next for Gabe. If he, latches on another college staff or if he's going to go back to uh, coaching high school is obviously a very successful guy, but um, yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if you have any additional insight on this. I don't know what happened there. If, if I don't know if it was a situation where, and I, I don't know, I don't know if Stan said right. keep you, but you're not going to be on the field. And then Gabe said, all right, well, I don't, I don't want that. I don't know if you have any extra. Right. Yeah, no, that can be, I mean, there's probably a, a million different things that, 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 that could have been said in that meeting with those two guys. And, I mean, the only two guys that know what really happened are, you know, Gabe and Drayton. So, I mean, I, I do know that, you know, Gabe will be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabe is a is a very good football coach who has um, a way to reach guys, a way to reach people. Um, and I think that, you know, that goes a long way in this in this game and in, in, in life. And I know that he, you know, and I have talked to Gabe, um, you know, a few times, but I think he'll be uh, he'll be successful in whatever he chooses to do next. I'm just looking forward to seeing you know what he does. And then again, as we talked before, man, the guys that had left, a couple of them already have you know landed other jobs. I'm just hopeful for those guys to to land somewhere to be able to take care of their families. And you know, I mean, for guys that you know lose jobs like this, that's the most important thing. One other guy I wanted to ask you about, and I know you, I don't I don't think you know him personally. And then I have one last question for you to close things out. We know how much we know how much special teams struggled. We know, you know, when, when, when Ed Foley left, it was an unpopular move. And I even tried to give Rod the benefit of the doubt. I thought, all right, he's got his reasons. And again, it's not an uncommon thing for some head coaches to say, I don't know if I need a a special teams guy, an on the field job solely dedicated to special teams. Maybe it's going to be this and something else, but you men, you know better than I know. Ed wasn't going to be able to run his stuff. It was going to be northern stuff, and the results were what they were. No matter how much Rod deflated, tried to deflect things. Special teams, you know, Isaiah Wright wasn't. It's what returning kicks. They weren't going after kicks. Um, so Chris Fenlon comes in from. I'm sorry, not Chris Fenlon. Excuse me. 
um, uh, Adam Shire is coming in from Rutgers to be the tight ends coach and the special teams coach. Uh, if again, it's an obvious question because the short answer was they weren't doing a whole lot. Well, on special teams, they were starting to get things right where they were fumbling less and muffing punts less, although they wanted Cincy and so on and so forth. But, and I asked Stan about this when he was hired, I said, you know, obviously there are several months and weeks left ahead, but he indicated to me, no, I want to be aggressive. I, I want to go after kicks and stuff like that. Um, it looks like Rutgers had some good, I mean, they had some always helps when you have guys mm -hmm. like Aaron Crookshank and guys like that. But um, right. again, simple question in your eyes, what, what needs to change with special teams? Is it just as simple as like that, that needs to be part of Temple's identity again, what you're changing, you're changing field position. There is an identity where you're going after kicks more and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I've always said that there's a, there's a couple of different things. And I mean, I've obviously dealt a lot with quarterbacks, but then I was, you know, when I was off the field, you know, I was, I was a little bit involved with, with special teams and, you know, when, when Ed was there, um, you know, there were times where when we struggled early and, you know, Matt's tenure here, that, you know, as his coaching staff, just imagine this, like we, there were 10 coaches, right. And, or mm -hmm. whatever the numbers would be. And we had 10 guys on the kickoff team and we picked the player that we drafted the player that we wanted on our kickoff team. Cause we struggled so bad on kickoff and we weren't putting like our third string running back and running, let him run down on kickoff. A guy that doesn't tackle ever and have him go down there and try to stop a guy like Isaiah Wright or Cookshank or, you know what I mean? Whoever these elite guys are in our league, you know what I mean? The kid from Cincinnati, Trey Tucker, who's unreal. Mm -hmm. um, but we picked each guy had a draft and we picked like, I, all right, I got Sean Bradley. That's my guy. He's the L2. He's my guy. You know, Ed Foley would go and give me Chappelle, you know, Russell. Boom. Cool. All right. And then uh rule would say, I want Nick Chagra. It's mm -hmm. like when we struggled, we said, okay, we need to figure this out. Our best players are going to play special teams until mm -hmm. they can't. And they weren't necessarily our best players at the time. They were still young, but you know, Brandon Mack, you know, I mean, we were playing guys, you know, Kirk, Keith Kirkwood, like those guys were playing special teams because we struggled on special teams. So I don't know if that's a thought for Coach Drayton that says like, and I know Quinku played on special teams. I know certain guys did this, you know, this year in the past years, but that's a thought. Um, I don't know. It's just maybe a one-two in the players. Um, like drop punts has nothing to do with coaching staff. Muff punts has nothing to do with coaching. You know, you know, schematically, if you're not going after punts, you know what I mean? That might be an issue to some fans, to some people that are watching the game, but if you don't, you know, if you don't know how to go after a block, then you're not going to go after a block. You might have a, hey, you know, I'm bringing all 11 guys and, you know, I might be our heave-ho block, you know what I mean, game on the line. But if that's not your MO as a coordinator, then, you know, I mean, obviously that, you know, Rod knew what he, what, he, what he had in his special team stuff. So, you know, whether Shire brings something different um, and, you know, allows the players to, to go out and showcase their skills a little bit better, that'll be a shame to see. Was there something – you know, it, it did seem, and again, I'm not saying that every week you guys had it clicking on a high, high level of special teams, but it did seem like there was enough of a spirit there where guys, what, you know, I, I know that I guess in the coaching world, in the perfect, in a perfect world, which there is no such thing, you'd say, I don't want to have to play my Sean Bradley's and Chappelle Russell's on special teams because God forbid they get hurt. Mm -hmm. Yes, injuries can happen, but I'll never forgive myself. I'd rather see Sean Bradley get hurt, you know, you know, stopping, you know, Adrian Killens at the goal line to beat UCF yeah. as opposed to like, you know, just landing awkwardly on a on a return. But you know how much those guys can help. In a perfect world, you'd rather see like that redshirt freshman who just wants to knock everybody's yeah. head off, but not everybody. Absolutely. 
not everybody is like that, but it seems for the most part that you were there, you get, you guys were able to find, there was a spirit of like, this is my access. Like a lot of coaches say, if you can, if you can succeed on special teams, that's going to show me something about you. And then you might, you're going to be better off in your own room. Is that part of what Stan's going to have to do and reestablish that culture and say like, Again, I know that Rod Carey would – I'm sure that Rod Carey wanted to do well in special teams. No coach right, would – Right, 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 right. The results weren't weren't there. Is that part of what Stan has to do is kind of saying, yeah. like, this is an access point for you to get on the field? Yeah, I'm sure that he'll have – whether it was something that he did at Texas um, with – you know, I had a position coach that said, listen, every receiver in the room right now is going to play special teams. So you won't, you'll be in every special teams meeting. If it's field goal block, guess what? you're in the meeting. If it's pump block, guess what? You're in the meeting. If it's kickoff return, like my guys are going to play special teams now. Is that Coach Drayton's, you know, MO? I don't know. But that's how, you know, when I was coaching receivers and, you know, Coach Satterfield was coaching receivers and those guys were going to play special teams. So it could be a mindset as, as a coach, but I mean, I'm sure that, you know, Coach Drayton's going to go through the statistics and say, hey, listen, this is where we were. This is where we were in the past. How are we going to get back to that level? And, you know, he's going to show tape, like, Matt would show tape on, you know, when, when our defense was struggling early in our tenure here, he would go back to like the Jaquan, Jared, Domo, Harris, you know what I mean? The Elijah and Peanut Joseph era and just guys getting struck. Lamar McPherson running down the field, just annihilating. Like you show them clips of guys that, that you're, you know I mean? You're all a martyr that are doing things and playing at a level 11 guys on the screen and all play. You go back and show things like that and kind of bring a little bit more of, um, you know, I don't want to say more of a special teams, you know, a little bit of juice, a little more energy to it maybe, but I'm sure he'll have a plan on how to get guys to want to do it. Or if, like I said, at the end of the day, you might be like, hey, listen, you're going to do it and everyone's going to try this spring. We'll pick the best guys from there. What you just, you keyed up another question for me. You mentioned Lamar McPherson again, all those names that you rattled off there were so important to Temple. Lamar was a guy who was highly recruited guy, was at Syracuse, came back home and mm-hmm. he was really humbled. He was a very... I remember talking to Al about this, like any guy, I'm definitely paraphrasing this, but like Lamar's thing was like, I needed to come home or, or come back to the Philly area and I needed to be humbled. And he was a guy who, like you said, was like, yes, eventually like he played on both sides of the ball. He tried running back. He was on both sides, but he was, he was really flying around on special teams. And maybe not every guy does that. It's just, oh, I was, I had this number of stars associated with my name. Um, what what are your what are your memories of just being around like him and guys like that who were like yeah I will I will do whatever's necessary to to, to affect the game yeah. in that case. I mean it's you know I mean they're not built like that anymore. Yeah, I know that's probably the toughest thing. There are some guys, but it just seems we probably sound like boomers saying this as younger. Yeah, literally, like he's he's a he was a different animal. I mean, there were guys on, on those teams that were just different animals, like. They didn't care about anything besides trying to find a way to hurt you and trying to win the football game. Whatever it took, those guys were going to do. And that's kind of when, like you said, when things kind of changed over and the culture changed, when you bring guys in like that who played with – I mean, at the end of the day, it's, 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 a, it's a scary game, but when you play with no fear, um, I, a lot of – obviously a lot of good things can have come from that. Um, but um, And I'm not saying in, in, in whatever way you want to take it, but – yeah. Go the guy. He he played with no fear, and the guys on that defense, and you know, the guys we played with in those those years, they played with no fear. And then, you know, I mean, now, you know, can you get can you find guys like that? Or you know, what I mean, I don't know if they're built like that anymore, though. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think it's, a, and I, I apologize for going off track here, but you, you've said so many interesting things and it keys off different questions in my mind. You are now, as a coach, well, even in, in the college game, you're dealing with parents when you're recruiting. Now yep. you're working out on an even closer basis. You're working out, uh, you know, a mother's son, a father's son, a grandfather's grandson. Like, I want my kid to be the next great quarterback. Do you have more when it comes to the no fear? You've got to be fearless. You've got to be reckless. Do you think part of that's changed because of the concussion piece of things? Because people are fearful of like the safety piece of things, or do you just think kids have changed where they're just social media has changed things? They're like, if I do this, I'm fine. And I know there's no answer to this, but it's both. It's both. I mean, nowadays, if you do some of the things that Lamar did, he'd be kicked out of that game and he'd be out of the next game. Like he would probably play like every other game or every other half. Because, you know, you play with, like, the biggest helmet on the planet and we just hit people, like, helmet to helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But then there's obviously, you know, the scary part, like I talked about earlier, the concussions and, you know, and the things that that are happening to people now that have played football at that level and played with reckless abandon, um, you know what I mean, CTE and concussions and, you know what I mean, things like that are, are scary and they're real. I'm not trying to downplay that at all by what I said earlier. Um, so I think it's a little combination of both, John. And to close things out, Adam, I want to ask you this, and I – I imagine you, you you might have this conversation with them at some point. You talked about coming back at some point in the spring. And um, I don't know if you know, Stan talked a lot about, um, I don't know if, uh, if it, Stan talked about wanting to bring back players more. And um, mm-hmm. Jeff did the whole thing where he had like, I think you've talked to me about this and Colin has yep. too, like the legends row thing where he was like, yep. we're just keeping this, this, this row of lockers here for anybody who wants to come back. So it sounds like he wants to engage right. people more. Stan Drayton sits down with you and says, Adam, I want to pick your brain. What's, what do I need to succeed here? What's Temple about? What, what, what's some of the unsolicited advice or that would be solicited advice. What, what would you tell him about what it will take to succeed for him if he's going to be successful in this job? Uh, I mean, there's probably a, a, a long list. Um, I think that our players, our players, I would I would tell him to one to to coach them extremely hard. I do think that the guys at Temple want to be coached hard. The guys that I was around for my ten years there, they want to be coached hard. They don't want they don't want to take the easy route. They don't want you know they really don't want to make excuses. But if you give them the chance to, they will. Um, but I think that, you know you need to coach them hard. You need to push them, and then like I said, at the end of the day, you need to show them how much you care. Um, and whether whether it's small things daily whether it's you know what i mean uh, a snack with from your from your wife they bring they bring in every other week or whether it's a a text at night let me just show them small things that like, hey listen i really care about you and your future i really care about what you're doing here and this is why um, i appreciate blah, 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 this like just show them that you care you know, if you coach them hard and you love them up after is a, is a big deal i think that um you know when you talk recruiting and stuff um, obviously evaluating and finding guys that really care about football. And I know that's an easy answer because how can you really tell if someone cares about football? I mean, you could ask their coach, you could ask the, you can ask their principal, you can ask their parents, you could ask them and everyone's going to say they really love the game of football, but, you know, find a way to really dig in and see how much they really do love it. Um, but it's not easy. Like I said, it's not, it's not going to be easy to win there, but those are some starting points. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, just coach them really hard, um, allow them, you know, to, to, to put them in situations to be successful, give them a chance, let them show you they can, or let them show you that they can't. 
mm-hmm. but allow each guy to give you the opportunity. I'm not saying, hey, it's an open spot for the DM position right now. Show me what you could do, but just just take everything you know with a grain of salt and evaluate each position and say, okay, listen, man, like, I've spent my time doing this. You could do it, and you're going to be our guy. Um, but you know, let everyone have the opportunity to be successful and you know have some fun. Like get back to you know those guys, just have the fun a little bit more. So that's kind of how I feel. And I'm sure, like I said, I could probably rattle off some more, but have fun, love them up, coach them hard. That's the simple part. Good stuff, Adam. That'll that'll do it for this week, and uh, hopefully we'll have a, a lot more for you guys and a happier and healthier 2022. We hope all of you were able to ring in the the new year and safe and happy and healthy fashion. We're, we're looking forward to delivering a lot more episodes to you guys with some guests in the future, more insight into the staff as it grows. So Adam, thanks for being with me for another episode. Thanks to all of you for hanging out with us and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you, John. Let's go Temple basketball, baby. Yeah. Big win for the Owls last night. Big, yeah, big win, big win. Uh, I, like of, it. I like it. Speaking of like being patient and seeing a guy like, Jaleel White go off for 17 points and them doing this without Caleb Battle. And uh, yeah, big win for the Owls. Yeah, it's good to see, man. I was a, I'm a big, big, big basketball guy. So, all right, buddy. Good talking right. with you. Hey, guys. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.